Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in. A lot of people say kindness doesn't cost you anything. You just have to be thoughtful. It's free. There's no money attached to it. Well, just because something doesn't have money attached to it doesn't mean it isn't actually very expensive. So in this hopefully short podcast, we'll have to be somewhere, so it has to be short. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about why I think smiling is actually one of the most expensive things you can give. And I'm going to start by reading Proverbs 11, verses 24 through 26. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than it is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. The line of this verse that I always remember is, he who refreshes others will be himself refreshed. And that's an alternating translation from the New King James, which I read. But the... The bookend verses are all very meaningful, and I like how the formatting of my Bible puts verses together and then has line breaks so that it emphasizes, you know, these three verses are talking about the same thing. That gives me insight into, okay, he's saying the same thing three times over. That means it must be pretty important. Anytime the Bible repeats itself, and especially three times, It's very important. So, this chapter is talking about generosity. And not just physical generosity, but the generous soul will be made rich. There are people who have lots of money and are emotionally and spiritually bankrupt and impoverished and just completely broke. So... The first question we have to ask is, what is your definition of rich? My definition of rich, one of, is that true rich, true wealth, in my mind, is continuing in a deeper knowledge of how much Jesus loves me. Because when we know that, it changes everything about our life. The way we give, the way we serve, the way we care for ourselves. It's completely life-changing. So, why is a smile the most expensive thing? I'm going to tell you a story. So, yesterday I was at the doctor for my annual physical. And after the appointment, I sat in the hallway on a bench in the sun, and it was positioned right next to the elevator. And a man and a woman came up, uh, the woman had a service dog, and they came up through the elevator, they were trying to figure out where to go, and then eventually they, they went back in the elevator. But what you need to know about this woman is that her face was completely deformed. Her lips were swollen. It affected the way she could speak. 
Her face was colored a, a deep red and purple. It was very clear that this was something that had affected her for many years, and she very intentionally avoided society because of it. Now, if I wasn't confident in God's love for me, I wouldn't have known what to do. I wouldn't have known what to think. A lot of times it doesn't matter so much what we do or don't do. What matters how we think. What we think is far more important than what we do because what we think spills out over and everybody gets a whiff of it. Af, you know, give or take. Um, so there's no hiding what we really think. Really. And I've learned that lesson pretty painfully. So yeah, yeah, that one, that one's really stuck with me. And so as I saw this woman who no doubt was just dreading having to go to the doctor because she doesn't want to be seen by people because you have to understand that woman's physical appearance did not represent who she really was and I knew that there was a soul underneath that deformity that was wounded and hurting and beautiful And as I sat on that bench in the sun, and having just gone through a gift of God's love the day before, and a fresh outpouring of that, emotionally, my heart was full, and I was in a, a rich place spiritually. And from that rich place, I was able to make eye contact with that woman and smile at her, not with pity even, but with joy, knowing that I could see who she was past what she looked like. I hope this doesn't sound arrogant to say, but I have a feeling that that smile that I gave her made my day, made her day. Because if I were her, I would be so dreading going outside and people seeing me and just what they would look, the expressions on their faces of disgust and horror. I mean, people who look normal struggle enough with their self-worth as it is. And then if you add a deformity on top of that, that's just absolutely horrific then society doesn't really do anything to communicate worth in contradiction to what the mirror is telling you. Now, if I had been in a spiritually impoverished place as I sat on that bench, I probably would have done what most people do, which is 
stare awkwardly for half a millisecond and then look at my phone and try to completely ignore her existence. And you might think, well, if I'm not looking at her rudely, then I'm, I'm not going to hurt her. You know, that, that's better than gaping awkwardly. Well, actually, it still reinforces the idea that she's ugly and should be shunned. See, we don't, we don't have, we don't have leprosy today the same way that they did in the Bible in the Old Testament. Leprosy, the way that it worked is you had a skin infection and it attacked your nerves and it was highly contagious and you had to separate yourself from everyone. If you got leprosy, your life was over and you were basically a beggar outside the city condemned to die for the rest of your life. You couldn't interact with your family, your spouse, your children ever again because you were so contagious and so dangerous. And if you did go through society, you had to carry a bell and ring it all the time wherever you're going and say, unclean, unclean. With that context, let me read to you the section in Matthew where Jesus interacts with a leper. And I love the way that the the film, the Gospel of Matthew, word for word, um, presents this. It's just, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Let's see, I don't know what chapter this is. I'm just going to keep on flipping until I find it. Um, ah, Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. This is immediately after the Sermon on the Mount. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now there's three really important things that you need to notice here, and I think only one of them is going to be noticeably visible. So the first one I want you to notice is in verse 3. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Living a life as a leper means that no one touches you. Probably not even other lepers. I I met a homeless man once and we were just, my car was parked on the side of the road and we just kind of sat there talking and we had the nicest conversation and he had the hardest time trying, he was trying to get his driver's license or a valid form of ID, but he had a really hard time with that because his birth certificate was in Germany. And at the end of, of that conversation, I gave him a really big hug. 
And then I saw him a little while later, maybe a month or so. Easily two or three months later. And he said to me with just hurt in his eyes, you're the last person who ever hugged me. No one's hugged me since you did two months ago. So if that's how the homeless community treats each other, imagine the way that the leper community treated each other. Physical touch is a powerful act of love. I wish I knew more about the science behind touch. And if you're listening to this and you know about it, please hit me up, inversedream at gmail.com. I wish I knew about the science of touch because our bodies have electric stimuli in it. We have, we have neurons, we have ions. We communicate so much through our touch. And it's on a very, very deep neurological level. And that's why we read it in our gut instinct. We read it in the depths of our brain and the amygdala. And the one piece of um, data that I do have about this is that Vanessa Van Edwards, who I love and respect her research dearly, she said that there was a study done and they put sweat pads to collect the sweat from people's armpits. And they did that for people who were running and just working out normally. And then they also did that for people who were jumping out of an airplane for the first time. Skydiving with a parachute. But doing it for the first time. Then they took the sweat pads and they put them underneath people's noses while they were inside of an MRI machine so they could read their brain and see how the brain responded to these different sweat pads. The poor people in the MRI had no idea what they were smelling, thank goodness, but that's why it's a blind test. And I'm very thankful that they submitted themselves to this test because I am one of the very lucky recipients of the knowledge that they found out, which is the people who were in the MRI and smelled the sweat pads from the people who were running had no reaction no response. However, the people who were in the MRI and smelled the sweat pads from the people who went skydiving for the very first time, their brain lit up with fear the same way as the skydivers. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that emotion can be communicated by smell and by chemical. This is why it is so important how we think about people. Love starts with how we think about people. Because if we think about people without kindness, it will absolutely come out in the way we look at them and in the way we touch them. Or not. The second thing that stands out about this section of scripture, and I love the the request from the leper. He's so respectful. He's not demanding. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
There is both a submission to God's sovereignty and also a faith of in his omnipotence. He says, Lord, he is not calling Jesus a teacher. He is calling him Lord. He is recognizing his authority. He's not just another rabbi. This is, and he might not even know that he's the son of God, but he's calling him Lord because he knows, he knows that there, I don't know what he knows, but God has shown him who Jesus is. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And may we come to God with our desire for healing. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. There are some physical infirmities that he lets us live with the rest of our life. And the Apostle Paul can say, I begged three times for this thorn in the flesh to be taken away. And yet it remained because you said to me, my power is made perfect in weakness. So sometimes God wants us to walk through suffering as part of the softening of our soul to reveal his glory, that his power may be, may be made perfect and revealed in our weakness. However, there is also the truth that he is omnipotent. He can heal and he has given us science and research to understand what is going on in the human body, how diverse and what are the depths of the things to be discovered about it the proverbs say it is the glory of god to conceal a matter and it is the glory of kings to search it out and when you think about the people in science who invented things that have changed the course of human history and very specifically the smallpox vaccine saved thousands of lives and so did the polio vaccine and if you are anti-vaccines i completely understand and respect that and i agree with you that we should not overwhelm our children's immune systems and i'm in favor of spacing out vaccines as opposed to this boom 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 protocol but that's its own debate and i know that there's a lot i don't know but I know that vaccines have saved thousands upon thousands of lives. We do not deal with smallpox before near like we used to. Now we're dealing with mental health and chronic diseases and Lyme disease and lots and lots of people who need more healthy bacteria in their gut because we've had so much antibiotics. So we've got a different health problem going on right now, but we're working on it. So... There are, sometimes God lets us struggle in our physical problem for his glory, and sometimes he heals us from our physical problem for his glory. And either way, it is for his glory, and we have to remember that. So the second thing that stands out about this is, I am willing, be cleansed. How gentle those words must have come. How sweet. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now the third thing that stands out to me about this is, And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You need to understand something. Lepers never 
did that. They never showed up and offered the gift that Moses commanded. God put that in scripture in the Old Testament in preparation for this. So that the leper would go straight to the priests and testify, this man, Jesus, healed me of leprosy. Whether we are healed, whether we continue in suffering, we are to be a testimony of God's glory. And may also the way that we love and the way that we smile and the way that we touch and the way that we think about others do the same. My name is Meg. I love my Jesus. And I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Go live it.